everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. You can always check out our, all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. It will all be there. And <laughs> I was hoping to talk a little basketball. I have 10 things to watch from Michigan basketball this season uh, coming out, probably actually before this podcast comes out. But regardless, you can check that out. We didn't get a single basketball question, and we kind of, even if we don't answer every question that we field on Twitter, underscore Zach Shaw and at Tremendous UM. We do kind of try to sense like what people want to have discussed. And so nobody asked about basketball, so we will not talk about basketball. Instead, we'll talk about the Michigan football team going to be, they are ranked number four in the country in the AP poll and the coaches poll, almost certainly going to be number four in the country in the college football playoff unless uh, the selection committee reverses course on how it views the SEC and how it views Georgia. Don't anticipate that happening. So anyway, things are going very well for Michigan. They just beat Penn State 42-7. to I mean, third straight blowout. They outscored. You know, we talked about how pivotal this stretch was and, like, you know, what a given record in this stretch would mean moving forward. Uh, we did not discuss the scenario in which they outscore Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State 101-27. to uh, Just, Just really nuts if you think about it winning all three games by at least two touchdowns and winning the two at home by you know a combined oh, 25 60 points that's kind of nuts so so lots to talk about with them and we'll also have some recruiting they did have a big recruiting weekend we're going to we're going to push that a little later in the show we're going to lead talking about this current team and you know 42-7 if if you know, you asked me what game that reminded me of. It was a little bit like the 2016 season when they 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 didn't blow Wisconsin out, but I think that Wisconsin team was better, and they also did outplay them. They did beat Michigan State on the road, uh, not quite as soundly, but you know this and that. And then then they blew out Penn State as well. So Steve, we got a question. This one comes from uh, Ben Luders, Laters, Leaders, who said. What do you feel the biggest differences are between the 2016 and 2018 teams? They're both in November in the top four. They both have really, really good defenses. They both have an offense that's working for them. But I I think if we were to compare the two, I think I would take the 2018 team right now because, for me, offensive line, running back, and quarterback, I think they're all better. I think receiver, you're not quite as good. I think special teams, you're not quite as good. Although Will Hart sure has been a a revelation for the Wolverines, but still, I think those areas aren't quite as good. But you'd be hard pressed to find a team with a top with an elite defense and good O line, running back, and quarterback that isn't, <laughs> you know doesn't have all of its goals in front of it. So to me, that's that's the biggest difference. Is I, and, and perhaps if I were to circle one of those three, it'd be the offensive line. I mean, I think this is a really easy question to answer, don't you? The difference between these two teams, it is. It's up front on the offensive side, and it's at quarterback. Which, at quarterback, I mean, I thought, I think it was, in, it was until Iowa 
you know, that Spate had played really well, and I think that's the game actually he got dinged up in was mm-hmm. the Iowa game. I think is where he got his that the uh, collarbone of the shoulder or whatever. Um, but but I think you know Patterson a little safer with the ball uh, could do a few more things with his feet. You know, I think is is really more of a fit for what Harbaugh would like to have in a perfect scenario offensively. Um, but it, it is it's the offensive line because they're winning games in the second half up front running the football. I I look at the Wisconsin game and that, that last touchdown drive against Michigan state, um, you know, Penn state, they were able to just kind of do a little bit of everything, but you know, Wisconsin, they rushed for over 200 yards in the second half, only threw for four Uh, (laughs) Michigan state who has a excellent run defense. uh, They were able to sustain a, I mean, how many minutes was that last drive? That would the drive that put. I think up they had touchdown. two that were exactly six fifty one, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So and just, two in a row. Yeah. <laughs> right. And running, just running the ball right down the top rush defense in the country, right down their throat. Again, I don't know if Michigan State's a topper. They were statistically though going to the game, but I mean, I, I think that's I think it's actually a really easy answer. I think defensively, I think they're better at linebacker, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're. I don't want to say they're better at safety. I don't know. That's tough though, man. Cause Metellus has played so, so, so well for them. Um, you know, I, I just, I think overall, like I said, I think Devin Bush, really the biggest, the two biggest differences are Devin Bush at linebacker and on the offense or three differences, Devin Bush at linebacker, their play across the board on the offensive line and Patterson. I think it's kind of an easy question actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. And you know, the, there are other positions. I think. I think Michigan had the advantage two years ago in some areas. I, I, I think it's hard not to be impressed with what Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples Jones have done. But it felt like maybe, maybe I should watch films and watch them side by side. But it felt like Amara Darbo and Ju Chesson were a little bit more uh, game to game. You know, finding ways to make make the right play. You know, Jake Butt, Zach Gentry could be an interesting debate. I probably would give the edge to. To Jake Butt there, I mean he did win the Mackey, so <laughs> uh, I agree. You know, and and return game can't can't side against Jabril Peppers, and no. I think Kenny Allen. If you combine kicking, kickoffs, and and punting, I think he is probably I'd probably put him a nose ahead, but it is pretty close. Um, I'd put I, stability wise, you'd have to put him ahead of Nordine at at place at uh, field goal kicker, but. I think Will Hart has been a better punter. Uh, uh, see, now, now he, Will Hart has been a better punter. Has he been a better punter than Allen was a better kicker? And the reason I, ah. I think that's close is that while Will Hart has been very good at sending it, and that's Michigan's approach, and that's how they've chosen to do it, his net punting is is only around 39, 40 yards. So net punting sure. is with the returns and the touchbacks. And that's... Sure. To me, that's a valuable stat. I know Michigan is just saying, just send it. We've got good coverage. We'll just take care of it. But they're allowing about 10 yards per punt that are coming back. So eh, whatever. That's that's semantics. The big thing, I'm with you, offensive line. Uh, there is a little bit of a of an intangible thing that I think is also relevant, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But on the defense, we also got a similar question, so we're going to extrapolate this. Ranking the 97, 2006 
2016 and 2018 defenses. And I I don't think I, – I, I wasn't watching football in 97. Uh, 96 I, I was, but I wasn't really paying attention to like all the, the nuances and things like that. I think I think this defense, though, I mean, you in the past decade, no one except the 2011 Alabama team, which might have been the best defense of the 21st century, no one has been better total yards allowed per game, total yards allowed per play. And to me, that means, you know, they might not have the numbers and they might not have been as, as dominant as the 97 defense, but you also have to factor in the era that you play in and college football has changed. And I think what Michigan is doing on defense is, I mean, they're, they're 50 yards better in total defense than anyone else in the country. It's like one of those things. I mean, they just suck the life out of these offenses. And it's, you know, it's not like Penn State is, is this podunk offense, or it's not like Wisconsin didn't bring back their entire offensive line. They're running back quarterback. tight. Uh, they didn't bring back tight ends. But, you know, a couple wide receivers. It's not like... Michigan State, you know, I know they they were dinged up at receiver, but they had a lot of guys returning from last year. I mean, they and and the numbers are just incredible. You know, the last three weeks, four for 34, third downs allowed. They have four pick sixes. The rest of the Big Ten has seven combined. Uh, you know, they're they've only allowed 16 red zone attempts all season in nine games. I mean, it's just to me, I think I I. Don't know enough about 97, so I'll give 97 that because of how many players went on to the NFL, things like that. But I think after that, I'm ready to put 2018 in that in that two slot. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the season's not over, right? True. So it, True. I'm never going to put them ahead of 97 because the 97 defense was absolutely the driver behind a national championship. So... Um, well, and they never had a quarter like the first quarter against Notre Dame or the first quarter against Northwestern. Right. So, so you know, that's, yeah, and, and the yeah pros up and down that lineup. Uh, so, again, I mean, we, you know, I don't know, in a month and a half, maybe we're, you know, maybe that's changed. I think there's, I think the thing is there's a real possibility for it to change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's too early to put them ahead of the 97 group. Um, I think they're on a pace to to definitely out, outdo 2016 uh just and it's i think it's it's because like they finally they're getting you know much like we talk about offensively um with getting what they need up front on the offensive line harbaugh finally has a now they got production at fullback you know with carriage and and huma but they finally have a guy at fullback too which i think is a really important cog uh for what they like to do you know, you look at the uh, fourth down against Michigan State where their whole front seven or front eight, whoever they had in the box, had to key in on Mason, you know, and Patterson's able to keep and go um, just because Mason is such a force with the ball in his hands, you know, in between the tackles. So, you know, they have that too. Um, so similar like defensively, like with a guy like Uche. Yep. Who yep. is the type of piece that Don Brown has kind of always had somebody – you know, in, in that mold uh, on his best defenses. And, uh, you know, they it, Uche different than Jabril because Uche can put his put his hands down right. a lot longer. 
it's got some of the most amazing leverage around the edge. Uh, <laughs> his, he gets so low to the Looks ground. He's like a figure it, skater, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's very, I mean, he's so difficult to block. You know, and they, they do, they just, this, I think this defense is just, is much, much more versatile. Uh, you know, Don Brown's thing has always been to, that they're the ones that are going to dictate what happens. And I just, I think that they have it, such a variety of pieces, particularly in the front seven, that, they can do that right now. Um, and, and I don't, they could do that in 16, but I think they could do it even more at, at 18. And, you know, the, the other thing with 16, just late in the season, again, I think you had a lot of deal, a lot of inability to finish drives offensively, left the defense in some bad spots. So the other aspect of it is I think this defense, they're consistently fresher um, than the 16 group was because Michigan's got an offense that's controlling the ball yeah, and not, you know, not turning it over. So, um, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those semantic, it's, it, it's, you're, you're, I don't, you're not quite splitting hairs, I guess, just cause like I said, I think 97 is, is King, um, until at least until the end of this season, kind of like Trey Burke, the, you know, when people say yeah. best since, you know, the list ends at Trey Burke, right? You know, right. I agree. <laughs> so, so that's where I guess that's where I'm kind of at. I think this defense has the potential for sure to be the best one that they've had, but it's kind of a deal where you kind of got to f- see how far the team gets, you know, yeah. before we can really answer it fully. Yeah, and I don't think you'll ever, even if I don't think you'll ever fully be able to answer it unless you like really do an analysis of like what various success means in each era. You know, I mean, there's not, you know, there's. I can't remember what 97 allowed in points per game, but it was like we were looking it up and like nobody has done that in five years. You know what it was? I think it was a, it was again the 2011 defense from Alabama, only defense to shut out a team in a national championship game, by the way. Um, but, but yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like different eras, both really good. But I will say, you know, back to this 2016 versus 2018 thing, I think. One other thing, and we did kind of get a question about it, and I wrote a column about it. I think this 2016 team or 2018 team, because I think the 2016 team had had a lot of championship expectations, and I think they had a very, you know, it was guys who had been through a few things together. You know, they'd been through the 2014 team, they'd been through the coaching change, you know, they'd seen this and that, and they this was like their last hurrah. And I think that really motivated them, and that prompted them to to work really hard. But I think this 2018 team is on a different kind of mission. You know, it reminds me, frankly, of the basketball team this spring. I know that they had the shirts that said "Do more, say less," but that was like a very uh, maybe resentful is not the right word, but I mean, they were just the chip was on their shoulder, and and it wasn't it wasn't. Uh, fabricated. It wasn't contrived. It was like a very real bitterness. And I think, I think you know, the revenge tour. It's probably going to be one of those things that I'm sick of hearing about in in about a week. It's probably got about a week left before I'm before I don't want to hear about it anymore. But it it really. I mean, this is a team that did t- you know took their lumps last year, kept their receipts, and is now beating beating everybody up. You know, they're mad. They're angry, and they're they they want to. You know, they don't want to just beat Penn State. They've raised the bar. They want to make Penn State question everything they've ever done. You know, they want they want to make uh, Michigan State. They want to like ruin their whole season. 
because no matter you know Michigan State can do whatever they want, but you know it's, they're they're always going to have been held to under 100 yards by Michigan, and they're going to have that double digit loss. And you know, same with Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin. I know their injuries are piling up, but even their their coach, people are starting to murmur and things like that. And they're just they're just they just look like the Big Ten's bully. I don't know if bully is the word I would have used in 2016 to describe the team. I think, and I think the offensive line has a lot to do with that. But I also think just like this this uh, rage that they have, you know. And the question we got was about the uh, the are am I surprised the DJ. Uh, you know, did the did the Penn State music, and the, you know, apparently they played James Franklin. I missed that part, but the the DJ playing the Penn State music. They played Jump Around when it was Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, they're petty. They're they're petty and pissed off, and that was that was kind of what I wrote about. And I think that's a that's an X factor not very many teams get because it's very hard to have that be real. It almost always has to be fabricated when it is. But sometimes you have the right guys and you have the right circumstance. And I think I think it's really helping them, you know. And I think you know that's that's why I've kind of shifted, you know, because I think Ohio State is still the more talented team, but I think Michigan, it's just it's they come across as a team that won't be denied, and I think part of that is because of just this this anger that they play with. So to me, that's as far as the question. Uh, I was a little. It was it was a change of character. But given the dynamic of the team and what we get from when we talk to the players and get to know kind of the the dynamic of their practices and things, it sounds like it shouldn't be surprising because that's that's pretty much par for the course for this team right now. I mean, like I think I tweeted this during the game, is I think Michigan really needed to embrace kind of being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that half of the programs in the big 10 probably hate Michigan more than any other school <laughs> in the, in the, in the conference, you know? And uh, I think there was a poll a couple of years ago that, that, that was, that's what the results were like, cause there were a couple random like Illinois and Northwestern and uh, a couple others besides obviously Michigan state and Ohio state. Um, you know, so I think it was, but I also kind of feel like this was a matter of time, though. Uh, right. Yeah. You can only, yeah. you can only, you know, listen to the pundits and the and bad fans, and so you can only listen to it so much. I think before it kind of spills over. The question would be: Is can it? Can they channel it uh, on the field? And and they've been able to obviously do that. So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. Like I said, I think they kind of needed to embrace it. I think Winovich was the perfect driver uh, behind that. You know, he's kind of been the face of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you there. I like the taking receipts, that whole stuff. I mean, I think they've – I think it was bound to happen. Um, I think the Michigan State game mentally was a big yes. hurdle for them too. Yeah. Uh, like we saw – I think we talked about that last week. And I think it – again, I think it spilled over into – last Saturday. I mean, they, they, it was never a game. Uh, no, the Penn yeah. State's longest play from scrimmage was the first, their first offensive play. Wasn't it? The 25 <laughs> yarder. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. The, I'm not sure if the last drive changed that, but yeah, it was possible. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I kind of, I touched on this in, in the article, which you can read at the Michigan insider.com. Uh, but 
you know, if you go look at their 42 Big Ten championships, and I guess you can look at their national championships outside of 97, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do so. But anyway, they've never been like this plucky underdog that's like this lovable story that, you know, uh, full of like, you know, oh, they, they got this lucky break or they, they believed each other. They've always been the bullies. They've always been the best team, if not the second best team. You know, they've always been, had the target on their back in a bajillion schools. And by the way, you're probably right. I was thinking through the Big Ten, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously Michigan State and Ohio State. I would believe Northwestern. I would I be- bet Penn what about Penn State? Well, and I remember I was just going to say I was looking at their message board and they're like who who someone some Penn State fan was asking on there who was their rival. And a lot of people, a lot of people said Ohio State because they seemed to be going back and forth, but I think a lot of people also said Michigan. Right. And it's 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 one of those things and think about that. Yeah. Think, think if you're Michigan, you have the three probably the three other best programs in the conference are all gunning for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was. That's the thing. I was. It puts a lot of pressure on Michigan to win. I mean, it's not easy when, you know, that's what with Michigan State and D'Antonio. I mean, to to that they circle that game every year. That's <laughs> so. They, again, it's basically their regular season Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Penn State's circling it. I think they're circling. No. But uh, you know, how many schools is Michigan their second least favorite team? Because I'm thinking Indiana's probably in that group. Rutgers is probably in that group. Maryland. <laughs> I don't know who Maryland hates the most. It yeah, might very well be Michigan. I, I don't know. But, you know. Yeah, they get out in the West, though. I think, like, schools like Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin hate each other. Like, those are the schools. They don't like each other. And like, see, I think Iowa. Yeah. No, and I agree. Iowa and Wisconsin don't like each other at all. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part. but you do Although I know a, people that well, went like, to Wisconsin, they hated Michigan. That was like what their. Purdue? Yeah, Purdue, I think, is second to Indiana. Michigan is second to Indiana. But, sure. but yeah, it's one of those things. It's like. It's. I mean, it is what it is, and and they've never won a title that they weren't like almost certainly the. If they weren't the favorite, they were the number two, and so you know they're back to that, and they're back to being. And I think you do need to be the villain. I I told people this uh, on the on the radio this week. I'm like, you know, Michigan fans, maybe they don't believe it, but Michigan, historically speaking, and in the presence of right now, they're the they're the dark side. They're the you know Harbaugh's. Darth Vader, and and it's just one of those things. You're you're the villain, but you can also be successful. And so, so yeah. I, as far as if they're surprised, I I was surprised, but I think as you said, it was probably just a matter of time because you it the players don't probably listen to as much of what the fine bombs or the pundits say, but the the general principle sneaks in, and that's why I think I said on the podcast last week the revenge tour is as much about perception as it is about avenging games is in that they're, they're trying to stop the mocking, stop the, the, um, I guess the Michigan's overrated, perpetually overrated, things like that. Like they want to, they want to pummel everybody into the ground because they're tired of hearing about how they, how they aren't good or how they're overrated or things like that. So, so yeah, I think that's an element. I, Obviously, I think every Michigan team ever has that, but I just I didn't quite sense. I didn't quite sense it um, in 2016 in the same way. Like for example, once Mo Wagner and Charles Matthews and Xavier Simpson decided to be the villains, you know all the stories. You know, it's like it, it it worked for them. You know, they they didn't lose from February 
fourth to April second. So it was, it was, uh, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, switching switching gears. Uh, let's let's talk recruiting. So you put in a crystal ball, and by the way, for those that don't know, crystal ball is a predict prediction that a recruit will commit to a certain school. Now, I will say uh, the, the the scoring system on 24-7 is based on how far out you did, but I think our oh, staff we're gonna is... Do we're going to do this, okay. All no, right. no, 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 no. We're Not keeping it short. We're going to keep it short. But, right. but I think as a, as a staff, 24-7 has shifted more toward valuing accuracy, valuing... Uh-huh. No? No, I mean, you always want to be accurate. It's just like, uh, okay, uh, we'll do this. Um, let's let's say this, Steve. You do you do not put your you do not put your crystal ball where you have a hunch that someone will go somewhere very often. Usually, when you put a crystal more, ball in, what? It's got to be way more than a hunch. Yeah, right? you, you there's there's a there's a informed opinion, and so right. like we had talked on this podcast about how there's a pretty good chance Zach Harrison is favoring Michigan. And so right. you could say, you know, oh, you know, we we called this months ago, but but instead there w- that he visited Ohio State, apparent there was information that went around uh, you know, and that so that, so that Michigan now feels not just they think, they feel very very good. So right. how about you tell the listeners what prompted you or what what's what's behind this crystal ball cuz it wasn't just you i mean now the crystal ball right. actually does favor michigan pretty much everyone pretty much everyone outside of ohio state writers and right. and you know has said he's going to michigan now that it's been a, it's been a shift so so i guess what led to that um yeah they do lead i just i didn't check it today um yeah so for months you know, there's there'd always been, I don't know what you would say, like scuttlebutt or info. Yeah, I feel like that, that's an overused <laughs> term. Which one? Scuttlebutt. scuttlebutt. Info yeah, is no, not I, overused. I wanted, I, I wanted to go for something fresh, but I yeah, it was probably a, that was a big fail. But um, I, you know, I don't think it's a mystery to many who've covered this recruitment that there's been kind of this underlying sense that he himself has preferred Michigan. Um, Michigan has known that I think they've approached the recruitment as such that, you know, we have to win over everybody who's involved in his decision process, you know, and the other, and I think they've kind of, you know, I think they've, I believe they've done that at this point. I think they've done what they needed to do in that regard. Um, you know, it's it, again, like guys like Wilt Fong, Allen, these guys are talk. They talk to people too. They know what's going on. I mean, we all kind of behind the scenes have been on the verge of doing this for a long time. Um, so the problem is, you know, we are uh, we're kind of a, we've established ourselves as people to, to trust in this industry. So again, I don't care if I'm first. I never care if I'm first. Right. If I'm first, that's great. That's like a nice bonus if that's if that's what happens. Um, but being for like, if you looked at if you go up and down the line, you look at like 
with the crystal ball, really. Like if you go and look at a lot of people who end up first, um, it's, it's a mix of Wilt Fong because Wilt Fong has his ears on so many different recruitments and a lot of what I would call, uh, people looking for like a reputation boost, um, within the industry, you know, cause for a while we handed out crystal ball privileges to anybody and pretty much everybody that ran a recruiting site and even people that didn't even run a site. Um, and so you'd find guys who would throw in predictions again, not saying they're rooted completely in guesswork, but not the way, not, I guess what I would wait for before I make a prediction or what, Allen would wait for before he makes a prediction or Sam with the gut feeling like all those types of deals because the crystal Uh, ball has turned into not just a prediction but almost like the story itself so like yeah oh yeah like with this with this thing you know if you just threw your crystal ball and everyone be like oh man you know does Michigan you know Michigan's gonna get him it's like, well, if you just are just predicting, then you're just predicting. But right. yeah, so we, some people, we, the people who write articles that back up the crystal ball, generally are going to wait until they have a more legitimate reason, a rationale. Well, we have, we are, we'll always have a lot more to lose. Well, well we will. Yeah, we'll, oh, we will. We'll always have a lot more to lose if we're wrong than if, you know, somebody that doesn't, really move the needle within a market, within a given market is wrong. You know what I mean? Um, if they're wrong, it's like, Oh, well, I don't know, whatever. If we're wrong, we never are forgiven or it's never forgot, forgotten. <laughs> you know, when I put in the crystal ball for Harrison on the board, I had mentioned that it doesn't happen very often anymore, but people would be surprised that for how long people would always remind me that I was wrong about Drake Harris back in like 2012. <laughs> uh, and they're not joking even, about it. No. And even though he did end up signing with Michigan, we predicted him in Michigan. He committed to Michigan state. It was the first commitment I ever covered. It was before I was with 24 seven. It was with the old tremendous site. He was, he's from Grand Rapids. So it was a 15 minute drive for me to go cover his uh, announcement he picked Michigan State, and for forever and ever after the crystal ball started, I'd get crap about being wrong on Drake Harris. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Even though, again, even though he ended up signing with Michigan, and the funny story about it was, is that I, I if I went back to the article with Tremendous, we had I had predicted Michigan, but said even if he verbals to Michigan State here, don't be surprised if Michigan is able to change his mind later on because I, those around him very close to him thought football was where his future was. And they wanted him, if he was to go football, he was going to play at Michigan, not Michigan state. So <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. So long story short, uh, you know, it's like, like I never predicted on Daxon Hill, right. Even though there were many, very, very strong indications that Hill was favoring Michigan. Uh, it's just, so we have to be, or I do, I, that's the way I go about it. Will Fong, and, and I think the way he does it is fine. And that's the other thing two people have to keep in mind is the crystal ball. Like everyone kind of does it their own different way. Steve is very, um, he goes with the, with the current pulse of the recruitment and he always has, and he's had to explain it about a thousand times, uh, to people who 
already know how he uses it, but he has to re-explain it constantly. Um, and, you know, people get co- so caught up in that it's called the crystal ball right. uh, that they can't fathom that somebody uses it in a way that might not be exactly what the purpose of a <laughs> real crystal ball is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but with me, I'm always I've always been extra cautious, especially when it comes to a a five star of any kind. Um, you know, and so different for us. Again, I couldn't care less about being the first prediction right. or whatever. So, That's not important. So back to, me, to so. back to Zach Harrison though. What yeah. uh, what is working in Michigan's favor? What was there anything that changed, or was it just because I know he was at Ohio State this weekend? So was there anything that uh, that is was new? A, that was always. I think he was planning on taking that visit for a while. I, I just. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, well, what did I post on the board? The Big Lebowski new stuff has come to light video, which I think was the most upvoted vote in the history of the message board. It had over 250 upvotes as of this morning, or like 240. <laughs> well, the only, my reaction to that is, holy crap, I better be right. You know, um, so, uh, but anyway, no, I mean, Al Washington has been, huge in this recruitment they've done it they've gone with it they've gone that things at the right pace with the family um michigan's current commitments have done a great job but the other thing too and we've written about it before but i don't think it gets enough is the current players you know i know his mom i've had a good rapport with his mom throughout the process her biggest thing has always been um you know how well does he vibe with maybe the younger guys that are already on the roster, you know, the guys that he's actually going to be around every day. And, and uh, you know, that's something where Michigan has kind of had that in their advantage to their advantage for a while. Um, you know, like I said, I think the, the biggest thing was, is, is family winning them over. I think it was, a, it's been a slow process, but I think they've maybe finally taken that step and, and whether that's them, buying in all the way or maybe them realizing how much he likes Michigan and they're think, you know, the process is, okay, well, he, he wants this really badly. So, you know, we're going to, you know, support, you know what I mean? So, and then there's also, there is also, and honestly, I mean, yeah, I think the, the, the general, the armchair analysts who've made the comments about, you know, you don't want to commit to Michigan too early living in Columbus um, because of the the backlash you'll get, that's a very real thing. Uh, I and I think it's worse there than it would be in almost any other place in the country. To be honest with you, I'll tell you what: Nolan Rumler, who lived in Akron, was going to be a Michigan. That's a guy who I was the first prediction on. I knew the minute they offered, that was over. But they had originally had contemplated waiting much, much, much longer to make a verbal because he was worried that he was going to get crap from whoever you know i don't know who but i mean it could um, be teachers it could be friends yeah, co- could it, dude it could even be the like coaches on a on a high school staff for all mm. you know i mean as bad as that sounds and i'm not saying that is the i'm not saying that is the case in either one of those i'm right, saying sure, like, sure. it's always a possibility um and that's why some of these guys are so shy you know when i go back to kalis with all that crap when when kyle kalis ended up choosing michigan and, and he literally had like death threats, um, which is, you know, insane, but it happens. And so, uh, 
you know, I do think there was, has always been some merit to that. Um, so yeah, again, I mean, he like I said, committed I by the way, you know, no, I know. I agree. <laughs> and that was, the, I was just going to say is we're almost talking about it. Like it's a done deal. I would not go that far. Uh, I definitely think that there's, you know, it's not a zero sum deal here still. I, I, and that's, that was one of the other reasons I was initially hesitant on a crystal ball was because Ohio state has always done such a good job closing in these recruitments. And, uh, you know, but I, I basically the biggest message for us that we've gotten throughout with regarding Ohio state is that if Ohio state wasn't 20 minutes away from his house, they would not even have been considered in his recruitment. He's not an Ohio state type kid. Um, you know, the kid himself, what he wants, what he likes, who he vibes with. He just doesn't really seem to be an Ohio state type kid, which I think there is a type of kid that goes there. And that's not a negative thing at all. There's just a different, I think that sometimes the different, uh, the kids that go to Michigan uh, are a little bit different sometimes than the ones who go to Ohio state. So, okay. And and he's in a position, he's in a position where he'd probably going to go, he's probably going to be a pro someday, no matter where he goes. Right. So yeah, six, five and a half runs a four, four, 245 pounds. I mean, ceiling is, (laughs) Uh, is the roof as Michael Jordan <laughs> for this kid. So, um, and he seems like a good kid. I know he's done a lot of, uh, I think he's like a big toys for tots guy. He did some big toy uh, fundraiser or something for his school. And I think raised a lot of money or something like that. So he's, he is a guy. I think Michigan has always kind of pitched him as being a great, like potential face of the program type guy too, mm-hmm. you know, and they've done that in the past with, with Rashawn and, some other guys too is like a hey like you know not only could be a great football player for us but you could really sort of be a ambassador for the program and because this is what we that's what we like to do and that's what we like to you know promote and stuff so and I don't the other thing last thing is I don't know about if the off-field stuff with Ohio State this offseason really played any role or has played a role in in maybe some negativity there I don't know I, I, I suspect not Actually, um, you know, I, I, I suspect not, I guess, but I don't know. Couldn't okay. say for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. So, yeah, and by the way, regarding the face of the program, I, I do think Michigan's able to do that pretty validly now because I would argue two of the – well, three of the four or five faces of the program are <laughs> in the front seven, you know, and it's been that way. It was that way with Wormley and Charlton and the Glasgow – not the Glasgow, Ryan Glasgow. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty easy for them to sell, and I think he wasn't at the uh, the Penn State game, but I think there is it is a interesting thing to watch how Michigan fans get so excited for sacks. Like they, I, I swear they cheer as loud as they do for touchdowns. You know, and it's sure. just it's just you know, there's not a lot of schools where that's the case. I think everybody cheers loudly for sacks, but like I think it seems like Michigan, and maybe because they're like. That's it's almost like become the the fan identity too is like this defense is gonna get sacks and TFLs. So uh, another uh, five star who was in town, who was very high on his bit visit to Michigan. It was his third visit, but I he I, this one was his a official visit if I'm not mistaken. But Kovaris Crouch, five star, linebacker, running back type of player. Uh, Michigan's been pitching him the. The doing both the the Miles Jack kind of 
kind of formula. Was it Miles Jack? Good, com- good comparison. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did they? They maybe. I would. That is a great comparison. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember if that's specifically, but that would. I mean, that would kind of be the natural. Right. So anyway, would, he was in town on the visit. Uh, any any word? Obviously, there's full updates on online for our for our paying customers. But any anything that you can share on here, here about him, where things stand with him? I mean, it went really, really well. I think it went maybe even a little bit better than Michigan thought it would, hmm. which is saying something. So, Michigan, it's going to be Michigan or Clemson there. He still has the official left of Clemson, which is why, I, in my opinion, I think that's why the crystal ball is still 100% in favor of Clemson. I think with a date, with an official still kind of out there to the other program that we believe he's seriously considering, I don't think Tennessee is really. Uh, going to be much of a factor anymore. Um, I think that's kind of where why. Well, we and others like I don't have a prediction in there at all. I know Anna uh, Hickey, our uh, Clemson yep. analyst, who does a great job for them. Uh, she doesn't have a crystal ball in yet either, and so uh, it's, I think it's a lot of it is people just assuming uh, that he's going to go to Clemson. That's my view. Actually, let me take, I could just take a quick look while well, we're here. And, like, and while you look it up, I mean, it was the same thing with Zach Harrison. And we even said in the spring and the summer when, you know, Michigan was trying to give it its best shot, you know, it was kind of like, well, it'll probably be all on Harrison because that's just the assumption until something concrete comes about or not even concrete, but something a little bit more solid comes about. And then you'll see a bunch of people switch their predictions or add their own new ones. So, so yeah, with Crouch, so so you know from Charlotte, very good. Uh, pretty much every program would take him. I think Michigan, you know, that's another one where I think the player, younger players on the team, were able to really sell the program. And yeah, I remember the yeah, I saw the video. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, right. The video of him joining the chance for it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine, but also you know I think back to his other visit when he was like volunteering with Chris Evans at a youth soccer camp, you know, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was great. Remember, I remember we, uh, we sent Isaiah there on a whim mm-hmm. to go cover Evans and then Crouch ended up being there and he got like a 20 minute exclusive interview with him. That was a great, uh, yeah, that was good. And you're right though, but that he has definitely vibed with the current players. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think he's again. I think, basically, you know, feels like more of a Michigan guy than a Clemson guy, but there is that distance and location type deal. So, um, you know, again, I, I look at the crystal ball. Uh, the one that I look at, besides, uh, I think Wilt Fong has one in there somewhere too. But is Newberg, Josh Newberg, our Florida State insider, who's, who does an awesome job, and he did officially visit Florida State uh, a few weeks ago. I assume that Josh's crystal ball is probably indicative of how maybe Florida State feels like the recruitment is turning out. So um, so definitely noteworthy. A couple of them are noteworthy in there. But again, I, I think until he takes his official there, then I think we'll I think we'll probably have a really good idea of what he's gonna do. Yeah, yeah. And I think I mean he might have a real idea of what he's gonna do too after that. So Yep. Yep, those are it. Uh you know, the class is already almost certainly going to be a top 10 class by by the time it's all said and done. Uh, just, just you know, I think they already have two five-stars. They they had three five-stars, I think, once. We looked it up. I think it was, I want to say it was like 2004 class. But 
Never had four. Uh, only have had three once, and they, they won pretty good with them. So uh, the talk that Michigan had fallen off, kind of like the Harbaugh can't win big games, the talk that Michigan had fallen off on the recruiting trail seems to be uh, – did not uh, age well. Did not age it's well. Like, it's almost like – Somebody called this exact scenario like over a year ago yep. <laughs> that the 18 class would be an anomaly in the rankings because Michigan felt like they could take some chances on some guys because they really liked the foundation they had with the 16 and 17 classes. Mind you, you have what Ronnie Bell, Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, and a lot of these guys we've heard great things about with, with Milton and Mayfield and Turner and, Vince Gray and mm-hmm. Barrett, you know, so it's like it's not as if the 18 class doesn't already look like it's going to outdo the 22nd best class in the country. I mean, Ronnie Bell had zero stars, and he is probably the most productive guy in the class so far as a freshman. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's almost like I said, it's almost like it's almost like this was called a really long time ago. But anyway, <laughs> well, so. if, for those of you who want to listen to the old takes. Uh, check us check us out on iTunes. Yeah, do yeah. I would love that. You know, because it's <laughs> it's funny. You go back, you say, "Hey, I told you so," and everyone you get a lot of, "Well, yeah, okay." No, I mean, just don't I did come a lot with of, us I, with our stale takes, the things that we said right. that weren't true. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, like preseason prediction—that stuff's impossible. You could see you could see patterns and 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 things and re- like recruiting is a little more in the general sense. I think is a little more predictable than. You know, is Michigan going to go twelve and zero or eight and four? We had no idea what Wisconsin was going to look like, or Michigan State, or Penn State, and yeah, didn't know what the offensive line was going to look like. Um, Speaking of, let's do some team news. We'll do team news, and then a little bit of talk about Rutgers because we got our over unders. But team news, big thing from yesterday. We talked to Jim Harbaugh and some of the players. Uh, There's going to be a new backup quarterback. Dylan McCaffrey broke his collarbone. Harbaugh said that it's going to be decided between Milton and Peters. Obviously, there is some intrigue in how they approach it with Milton because he has played in one game. They switched the numbers uh, from from five to three, if I'm not mistaken, implying that he, they want him to be in that offensive too deep so that he could feasibly play with Jared Wangler at the same time. So the, I think there is a plan to play him more than just that one time, but you know, the three game situation, do you, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to approach it. We aren't in practice. We don't know, but I will say one thing that that's kind of, uh, not annoying me, but kind of, kind of strange to me is there seems to just be this mindset that Joe Milton is already better than Brandon Peters and that Brandon Peters is not a capable third string quarterback. I mean, because let's let's be real. You, you, every time you go down the quarterback list, there is a drop off. Very rarely is we we talked about this last year. Speaking of takes that aged well, and we they were like put in this guy, put in this guy over Spate, and it was kind of like, well, you know, they're backups for a reason. But this idea that I mean, Joe Milton, nobody was, that no one has any evidence that he is a better quarterback than Brandon Peters. I mean, he has not started. A game he has not played more than like three snaps in a game. He hasn't thrown a pass. Yeah, he hasn't thrown a pass. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't you know managed an offense. He hasn't won a game. He hasn't been sacked. I mean, it's 
it's kind of strange, and and maybe he's better. But this idea, I th- I think fans are like almost like mentally done with Peters, and so they're just assuming that <laughs> that means that Milton's better. I uh, I don't so so couple couple things here. I guess your thoughts on on that, but also maybe if you are Michigan, and right now Patterson is healthy, but you don't want to run into a situation where the guy who is say say he gets hurt in the Big Ten championship game or something, you know you don't want the <laughs> you don't want a guy who's out there who hasn't thrown a pass all season necessarily being in charge of it. So I don't know what. How do you approach it? Because you you assume you're going to blow out Rutgers, you assume you're going to blow out Indiana, but also keeping the red shirt in mind, keeping, uh, you know, we don't really know Peters versus Milton, so don't just do give me an answer that says play the better quarterback. But assuming <laughs> assuming they're about even, maybe one is a little bit uh, better at avoiding mistakes, but the other one maybe has more talent. I think you can guess which ones are which in that in that hypothetical. Um, how would you approach these next couple games? Well, I, I, uh, I mean, I think you play both of them, right? Okay. I think you have to see what they look like when the lights are on. I mean, again, I, I, I don't like. I'm not. I don't know. I, Rutgers is everybody's like, you know, I, and Michigan should win pretty easily. I'm not here to crap on Rutgers like every, everyone else can do that, <laughs> but Michigan should blow them out very easily. Mm-hmm. I think there's ample opportunity for them to get both guys significant snaps. And that this is one of the advantages of that redshirt rule is they can give Milton some legit snaps. If they didn't have that redshirt rule in, I, I don't think I think it'd be Peters and there'd be no discussion about it. Right, right. The only reason we're talking about this is because there's that redshirt rule. So with that in mind, I think you need to get both guys reps because there's literally nothing to lose with Milton. Um, the only thing with Milton is that you don't know how many more games you're going to play this season. Right, but... Well, that's why, like, with Ruck, let's see, so two games, so they got Indiana and Ohio State after that, and then, what, two more at most, right? Mm-hmm. No, three more, sorry, the Big Ten Championship game, too. So there is a little potential, uh, if they win. Um, I well, still theoretically, think this, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is a game where both guys have, this game on Saturday is a game where both guys have to play. And I think you have to see what Milton's capable of and then go from there. Um you know, again, I I suspect that Peters would be the better guy. I don't think he. Again, it's just not nah, give the like. Look at what the difference is with Michigan having an offensive line. Like if Peters had had the pass protection, again, I mean Patterson definitely the guy. I definitely think McCaffrey probably the second guy. But I think that said more about McCaffrey. I would agree. Than it does Peters. Like I think Michigan just has a really good quarterback room right now, and that's another thing that we said going into the years that the quarterback room would never be like what it was last year. And that starting this year it was going to be one of the strengths of the team. You know, I think Peters, with some pass protection and a running game, he has as much arm talent as any of those guys do. I know Milton can throw it further, but Peters can make a lot of lots of different throws. You know, it's just he didn't, he never had an opportunity to do it last year when he was in there. I mean, he got hurt twice because he got hit so many times. Um, you know, and and but even even with that in mind. You know, the offense under him, it was his very first experience. The offense under him moved the ball much, much more consistently and better than it did with O'Corn, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's that Those were his first games, and, and someone else pointed out in, in the questions. Oh, I already lost who it was, but they also said, you know, the line was, the offensive line was brutal 
I mean, it's a little different when everything else is better too. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, so I think he's a guy that could, you know, they might not be able to do the zone read type stuff that they've been able to to succeed with, with Patterson that might change things up a little bit, but um, you know, overall, I think Peters is more than capable of coming in and being the guy. The only, I guess the only fear is, you know, I don't know what, you know, how he's looking at things in a big picture sense right now, you know, being, knowing maybe that he's been the third guy. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, having to kind of sit there and then it's like, oh, now, um, you know, now you need me type deal. You suspect he'd be ready. Uh, but, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that we can talk about, but we'll never really know until we actually see it. So, right. Um, but this Saturday against Rutgers, I think you have to play both guys. I think they absolutely both have to play and you have to see what you can get out of them because, you know, that's the other thing you want to keep Patterson as healthy as possible, obviously. Right. I mean, so you can't like, I just, I suspect Michigan probably just going to run the ball up the gut, make some throws. I don't think you're going to see them do a lot of the zone read stuff and, <laughs> and have him running around. I just, they'd be, I think they'd be foolish to do it. Mm-hmm. So, well, and we saw, I mean, when they did the other blowouts, they didn't really do it. It was one of those things that came out when they played the teams that are right, ranked, right, you know, right. that are, that have, defenses that can stop the basic stuff. I and mean, we saw them against Rutgers last year. They ran for, what, 300 yards and just ran it 80% of plays. It was just kind of, you know, so, and maybe this is a game where, well, we'll talk, we'll talk more about Michigan Rutgers in a second. Uh, are there any other questions? Oh, Brian Kress want to know, uh, assuming you, if Michigan loses Winovich and Gary, which I still think is a done deal, I guess, there's always a chance Rashawn comes back, but I think it's sounds no like way. it's pretty slim. Uh, right. Uche, do you move him to? Does he permanently move to defensive end, or does he continue to kind of be that that Sam linebacker hybrid? I gotta say, I mean, you know, and I asked him like, what was it like switching from? Because he was a DN in high school, right? And and I I asked him like, you know, what what's the biggest difference between you know all of a sudden now you're standing up and things like that. And, he kind of gave a similar answer to when we asked Cesar Ruiz what's the difference between uh, playing center and playing guard last year. You could tell he's like, "Yeah, it's I'm a little I'm I'm, I'm much more comfortable in this, uh, but I'm doing this, you know, and get me on the field and things." So I think I think they do end up moving him to the end. I I I don't know. That's not a. It's not like I called up Greg Madison or Don Brown <laughs> and then you know found out, but seems like he's really built to be a college defensive end, as you said the. The angles he can put his body in, the long arms, the speed, the the honestly, I mean, you know, sacks are a skill. You know, it, it does take something more than just being fast and strong to get a sack. And he's got seven sacks and like eleven tackles. And so, you know, they're really dialing him up as like he's he as you kind of said, he's the fullback equivalent on defense where it's like when they need a sack. They put him in there, those third and long situations, obvious passing downs, um, you know, and he does other things in the end. I think that, I think that was, is one thing to watch is I don't know how he is against the run, how he is when it's not his turn to get a sack. Uh, but I got to imagine with an entire offseason and with his physical ability, he could probably figure it all out. So, yeah, I, I agree. Really no elaboration there. I think that he would – slide down give Michigan because I feel like they 
feel like they got some of the pieces at linebacker mm-hmm. um, to. Now they do lose the Sam, but maybe they don't. They lose Furbush, but maybe they don't use it as much. I mean, as you said, I mean, they've got like a lot of different guys that can roll out in these sets. So I agree. I um, think I just think it's where he's best suited uh, and most effective. Mm-hmm. Got another question. Papa T Man asked about offensive line depth. We kind of were talking about this before the show. Looks like they're going to bring back four offensive linemen. I mean, I, I can't imagine John Runyon Jr. doesn't get a fifth year at this point. Uh, he might, I mean, he's coming out second week in a row. He's been one of the top five graded out players on the team. And so, so you, you think he's coming back? You think Unwenu's coming back? You think uh, Bredesen and Ruiz? Ruiz, I think is definitely coming back, right? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you assume, I mean, maybe Bredesen, but I haven't seen him on any draft boards. And and he's also someone who I think really likes it here. Like, I don't think he's, like, yep. you he know, does. waiting, I waiting agree. to get paid. I think he understands that, you know, you wait a year, maybe you move up a few spots, and and yep. you get to, you know, you get to more, you get to show people more of what you can do. And it's so, really right tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, even with Hudson leaving, which I know is a disability, disappointment for sure uh you have mayfield you have stuber mm-hmm. you have guys like honingford and filiaga and spinella yep. still i mean all those guys come back you have ryan hayes waiting in the wings as a future tackle um lots you know that's the thing is like all of a sudden again much like quarterbacks like all of a sudden you bring and you bring in five right now probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, offensive linemen yep. in this next cycle, you know, where they'll really, really replenish, you know, with, and who knows with, you know, guys like that, who somebody could come in and be a stud, you know, I'm a big Trent Jones guy uh, is a guy I think could be a early impact player, you know, and, and it's one of those deals where if somebody is an early impact player out of that group, then they must be pretty dang good because they're gonna have to beat some talented players to get up there. So yeah, yeah this I mean, is a very well-equipped room next year 100 you know and that's why i think filiaga probably stays inside spinellas probably stays inside i think they all stick to where they are i mean you had filiaga backing up bredesen mm-hmm. so his time's coming uh spinellas has he's backing up Unwenu and ruiz right now yep. and then you got honingford who was backing up on as well who actually honingford quietly looked really really good in those uh early spots in the season too so mm. You know, it really just comes down to the right tackle deal. I mean, is it a situation where, okay, Runyon's back, he's he's turned into a player, you know, does Mayfield shift over because he's that good? Or do they let uh, Stuber and, uh, you know, Stuber, I don't know, Stuber appears to be the backup, obviously. You know, do they let him just slide in there and, and keep Mayfield focused on eventually playing at left? Uh, you know, that'll be kind of the, maybe the main thing to look at. But, yeah, I mean – like I said, you know, like Carson Barnhart, very talented. Nolan Rumler, I think Rumler's the guy probably be a year one at a lot of programs. Uh, he's that good. Um, Jack Stewart, kind of one of the wild cards. Zach Carpenter's a classic. I know our uh, Bill Green, out of our, our Ohio analyst, who does an awesome job, said he was a quintessential Ed Warner guard. Hmm. Um, so they're getting, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you could almost say that starting by, by next year, I think, Offensive line could be looked at as a strength uh, on this team. Uh, they're going to be well. It is right now. It's yeah, two. nobody's going yeah. any, and nobody's going anywhere except right tackle. Which again, Bushel Beatty's played great football, no doubt. Right, 
but they had talent in the wings, you know, waiting to, to, to come in. So yeah, it's a, just a great spot all of a sudden to be in, you know, they look very effective. There you go. So yeah, hopefully that answered the question. Uh, Chad's meeting. Steve, you do not have to say anything here. Uh, guess is on informed or informed info on who leaves early for the NFL. Too early for anything to be concrete. You assume Bush. You assume Gary. Uh, I know Steve mentioned a couple weeks ago, and you can go listen to that on our iTunes page. But mentioned Lavert Hill and David Long as people that are probably moving on. Gentry, I I I get the sense that Gentry will move on. He certainly doesn't have to, and you know I think it will depend on how much he thinks he can get from a fifth year draft wise. But he's going to be a projected pick. He's going to have his degree. You know, I don't think he's someone that. Uh, I don't. I think there's a good chance he goes. Feels like Patterson and Khalil Hudson, two guys who were considered early, early departures. Seems like they're leaning toward coming back. That's not them saying anything. Just seems like that's where things are trending. Uh, so, oh, one more team question. Eli Schmidt connect. I didn't say that right. Do you give Ben Herbert and the strength staff any credit for the overall lack of injuries that Michigan's had this year? There's been almost no muscle pulls or tears or anything of the sort, which is funny. Don't listen to when we had this discussion a month ago about are there too many injuries going on. So, um. well, it wasn't. It wasn't. But he, I, he's right as far as like as far as serious injuries though they've avoided. We were talking more about there seemed to be a lot of guys who were really cramps. banged up. You know, yeah. yeah, the cramps were a big. Thing early on and um you know it wasn't anything because we've been we've written more about ben herbert than i would imagine almost anybody i mean we've done a ton of stories <laughs> yeah you know, talk to frank ragnow about him in the it's office kind of like that, you, know, you know we don't talk enough about special teams is what everyone says but it's like we talk about special teams too much <laughs> yeah we talk about it a lot so i love special teams but um i would assume he's got to get some credit i think that'd be a uh, ask harbaugh and see if he answers type question you know i that's because that's one where i think the assumption is the answer would be yes mm-hmm. that i'm sure it's helped but again we're not in the weight room we don't know if that's you know if what they're doing is the reason or if they've just been you know i don't know fortunate i guess right i mean we talk about they're 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 pretty much at full strength right now which is with with Tariq black coming back and uh and with rashawn playing on saturday and looking healthy they don't have uh, a starter out no yeah, yeah, I mean they're they're pretty they're they have a couple guys in the deep down in the depth chart that are banged up and and hurt. But as far as like guys who are actually contributing, um, yeah, I mean they're as healthy as anybody in the country right now. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you for sending the questions and uh, feel free to send them in next week as well. Let's do some Michigan Rutgers talk. We do not need to talk about it much. In fact, I think we should just use the over under that uh, Neil or via Azul submitted and we can just talk about our thoughts there so first of all on offense 329.5 yards team rushing I think they exceed that it seems that's a really it's a lot of rushing yards but I mean it did it against Wisconsin I gotta imagine they're gonna run even more against against Rutgers I'm not sure what they ran for uh, a couple years ago when they were in Piscataway but I think it'll be I think it was some ridiculous number because I, I believe they ran for like nine or ten touchdowns, so I think it's going to be the same, same, same song and dance. You know, they're not going to risk throwing picks or you know put their quarterbacks under duress. They might, you know, have the receivers do stuff, 
but it, I think it's going to be a ground and pound game uh, over under for you. Hmm. So the only reason I mean, I, I contemplated under if only because, you know, we just got done talking about the backup quarterbacks. I think if you get those guys in early, they may actually end up throwing the ball a little okay. bit because that's they want to get those guys, you know, some they're, they're, it's not going to season them or get them legit work if they're only handing the ball off every play, right? But at the same time, uh, I just, I just still think Michigan is going to go the over. I mean, you know, they they could run for 250 in the first half, you know, and only need like 75 to hit the over. And just you know, again, it's like I know Rutgers probably going to come out fired up because people are just going to be crapping on them like all week. <laughs> But they just have not been effective, mm-hmm. you know, at all in, in any facet outside of kickoff return defense. And uh, so I, I just I have to go with over. So, by the way, uh, Michigan ran for <laughs> 481 rushing yards. Man, that's just insane. Yeah. Um, but I, but they're as- probably going to attempt like 50 times. You know, it's not like they're going to have – I, I would assume if they run the ball 50 times, they'll hit 330. So, like that, I, I'm just, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle their main, you know, it's like, do they just get higged into a thousand on Saturday and then just sit them and, and let mm. Drew Wilson and, mm-hmm. and other guys and Omori? I think we'll see a heavy dose of Omori Samuels. Probably a Christian Saturday Turner game. If he's healthy, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, um, by the way, they had nine. Or Evans or Evans, like, you know, he might. He looks, he looks like he's 100% now, but you want to keep him that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you sit Higdon, does that mean it's Evans, or do you sit Evans, too, and say, hey, like, we need both you guys in a couple weeks. Like, let's just not. <laughs> just give the ball to Van Sumer in for 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. The weight uh, room's that way. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, longest offensive play, 54.5 yards. I'll say over, just a guess nothing definitely over yeah, yeah. No, i'll go over there um backup quarterback enters nine minutes left in the first quarter before or after i gotta think before <laughs> right <laughs> wait wait whoa 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 nine minutes left in the first quarter fourth quarter fourth oh before i thought you said first i was like uh <laughs> i mean geez i don't know man like no definitely before yeah absolutely right. i think it'd be a massive disappointment if that ends up being after 14 and a half combined carries for True Wilson, Amari Samuels, and Christian Turner. We just talked about it. I think it's Over. going to. And, you know, I think part of it is that this is actually a really well-timed game for Michigan to be one of their easier games because guys who have been working really, really hard, you know, you, you get to rest your starters and you get to, uh, presumably, uh, and you get to play people who have been working really, really hard. So, like, well, you know, someone like Wilson, yeah. he hasn't gotten a lot of carries this season. But, you know, he's worked really, really hard, and he's been really helpful for Michigan while Chris Evans has been hurt. It's like this is a game where you let him get 100 yards maybe, and you let him have that day and that moment and stuff. So, yeah, I would say I would say over, definitely over 15. Um, I agree. 69.5 yards for Michigan's leading wide receiver. I would be curious how many games Michigan has had where a receiver had over 70 yards, a wide receiver. I don't think it's that many, so I'm gonna say under. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm probably gonna go over on every one of these, just out of <laughs> reflex. Like, just, yeah. Well, just playing the odds a little bit, you know. I don't know. I'll say over. Because right. what if the 
you know, what if the, the 50, the long touchdown, if that's a receiver? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know? it's and possible. Banking, that's what it's going to, that's what it's going to be. By know? the way, Steve has a 31 to 25 lead on me in these games. So, there we out, go. so out of, out of 50. So I'm, I'm at a 50, 50 clip and you're at a 62% clip. Um, Michigan's first half point total equal equals greater than or equal to Rutgers' first half rushing yards. I I don't know how Michigan's going to approach this game. I don't know if they're going to try to do like a seventy eight nothing. They might just try to do like a twenty eight thirty five nothing and just go home. Uh, but I'm going to say over because that just seems to be how these these games go. I I disagree. I think they're going to put the pedal to the metal. Uh, just because of the committee, I think you have to, you can't take your foot off the pedal in these games anymore because they could, for whatever reason, like Michigan has to come in. I think they have to come in and just annihilate these teams because you run the risk of like, if they were to just say, Hey, we're going to work on some, like, we know we're going to be likely going to be in control in this game. We should be able to come out of here with a pretty easy win. So let's work on this, this, and this. And let's just say they look a little sluggish, you know. I, I think it's. I think they just have to be very leery of the playoff committee right now, and how they're going to evaluate, you know, because that's the thing is like you know they whooped Penn State, which looked great. They controlled Michigan State and they they whooped on Wisconsin. Um, I'm just going here off the basically solely off the committee. I think they come out and I think they they don't let up, honestly. Okay. On a necessity, not because they're they're looking to make a statement, but you just you don't want you don't want to give them any excuse to try to try to put Georgia ahead of you at this point. You know, in my opinion, I don't know. I suppose so. I think I think that this will be. I don't think. Well, I guess we can talk about our score predictions later. Um, remember we remember we talked about remember we've mentioned before in 2016. Remember how close it was with Penn state and Michigan. And, and we went back thought and, and they talked a lot about the, like the uh, quality of your big wins and how maybe the committee but this wouldn't be a big it. win. This is a, no, I know, but, but they, but they've, they've mentioned like margin of victory as a thing in the past. And, and in that game, you know, Michigan could have put 70 points up in that game. And you mm-hmm. always wonder if the committee would have thought differently to think, it, for one, it's for a forty nine ten game where it's like, oh well, they just got beat a little bit. If they'd have won like seventy to three, you know, could we put a seventy to team that lost a game seventy to three <laughs> in the in the final like six teams or five teams, you know? So see, I think I it's know. I think it's a little different that when when it's a team that has a pulse, like beating Penn State um, twenty four to seven is much worse than beating Penn State forty two to seven, in my opinion. I think they, I think that really kind of validated Michigan's belonging as the top one lost team. Uh, right? Yeah, top one lost team in the country. So, anyway, difference of opinion. Uh, defense, special teams, other 84.5 combined yards for Rutgers' leading rusher and leading receiver at the end of the game. I'm going um, to... It, it's hard to... It's one of those things where it's like it's hard to say under... That means that neither one of them's getting over forty yards, but that's kind of what Michigan's been allowing lately, um, you know. And I don't know, I don't know. It's hard to tell what the dynamic of the game is going to be. I'll say, I'll say under eighty-four and a half for the 
the combined total yards between the leading rusher and leading receiver. Over. Okay. I'm giving you a chance to catch up this week. <laughs> or pull ahead. Uh, three and a half points for Rutgers in the first half. Got to think that's under. I, I do think the defense is going to try to annihilate them. I think I think they have too much fun with that. Um, uh, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, 41.5 completion percentage for all Rutgers quarterbacks. So Michigan is allowing a 29% completion percentage in the last four weeks, and I'm not sure what Maryland had. Uh, but I do – you do wonder, I mean – this has got to be a game where they put the third string defensive back in there, right? So, yeah. uh, 41. I don't know. I don't know what they're averaging this year. <laughs> uh, I'll say, I'll say under, but kind of cautiously. Wonder what the Wait, weather... so 41%? Yeah. I mean, they had a game earlier this year where their quarterback went two for 17 with five interceptions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so 40%. Like it's one of those things like almost like you wonder like just what a baseline level defense, what would they hold Rutgers to? Right. I would say under. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, the work he was five for 25. Mm-hmm. But, but that's what I'm saying. They've held, they've held the last three opponents to 29.1%. But does Rutgers pick up some cheapies because Michigan's putting in the Green Brothers, Vincent Gray and Faustin and Sims and everybody, or or maybe they're that maybe Rutgers is just that bad that it's not even they can't even pick up the cheapies. So oh, this one might be easy. Two and a half sacks by Michigan's defensive line. Over. Yeah, yeah. Rutgers is actually okay up front. I think they're only allowing one point one three sacks per game and. And they've done that, you know, with a good amount of passing attempts. And I know some of that is blowout influence, but uh, still, Michigan, I think if Michigan doesn't get at least three sacks, I think you do wonder, <laughs> you know, how much how much effort they're putting in. Sure. Uh, finally, .5 defensive or special team scores for Michigan. Michigan, by the way, they have a kick return touchdown, a punt return touchdown, and four pick sixes. So they're actually averaging, uh, what, 0.7 touchdowns on defense special teams per game. So it's pretty impressive. Uh That's very impressive. So 0.5 over or under? I'm thinking over. Over. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like at this point. I think think special team. I think they'll get a special team stuff shown. Okay. Okay. By the way, Rutgers... Uh, Arthur Sitkowski is completing 50% of his passes this year with four touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Oh, man, that's not good. Giovanni Resigno is completing 49% of his passes for zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Interesting. So two the... interesting players there because Gio's from De La Salle. He was Shane Morris's backup <laughs> at De La Salle. And then... Uh, Sitkowski was a four star at yeah, one point. He was a he was a Miami it. commit. Yeah. Well Michigan actually offered and liked him. They, they had him at the camp, early. I remember. 
Right. They yeah. liked him. They liked some early film, but then they had him in person, and I think they cooled on him pretty quickly. Uh, it's just, it's hard to like. Do we really know how good or not good somebody is when they're playing for Rutgers? You know, it's like he. How would he be if he played at Duke mm-hmm. or Boston College? You know, I don't know. So. Yep. Yep. Well, he's Either from way, he's a, from Jersey, yeah. so he picked picked his school. Uh, it's certainly a different kind of different dynamic of game as opposed to uh, they're last in the nation points per game 15 points per game uh different dynamic than the last four weeks that's that's for sure but we'll see what happens uh be sure to check out what we'll do staff picks uh toward the end of the week we'll do our our in-depth uh preview of of the game i'll have plenty of stories so check it all out the michiganinsider.com 247sports.com For Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Find us on iTunes if you'd like or or over on 247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next week.